Has the league figured out three-point shooting? How good are the Celtics? Should the Jazz tank in the wake of the Goat Bear injury? The only question left is, say it with me, you win. Hey sports fans, Coach Nick here and welcome to the B-Ball Breakdown Podcast slash live show as we do on Sunday nights and I'm joined as always by Dave Dufour at Dave Dufour NBA. Dave, it's Sunday, we're together. What's happening? Nothing at all. I just got home from, uh, spent the weekend camping, so um, I'm going to need you to catch me up on some stuff Okay, that I was not able to catch up on this afternoon. All righty. Well, as always, we also encourage you to ask questions in the Periscope or on Twitter, and we'll get to them throughout the broadcast as we go through it. But, uh, I mean, there are some storylines that we can talk about early in the season, but guess what? We're like 12 games into the season. This is not like so early anymore, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. What, what did we What did we say uh, a few minutes ago? We're about 14, 13, 14 percent of the way through the uh, through the season. Yeah. And it's it's almost past the point where we can say it's early, but I mean it is still early. It's always early, but things are starting to kind of. This the, some of these guys that are having hot starts. This might just be what their year is going to be. Right, right. Well, when you say hot starts, I think you're referring to like there's a, some players out there that are shooting a ridiculous percentage from three on high volume, and that's what's kind of weird. I, I was going to do a video on it, and I kind of eh, I wasn't sure, but I think it's going to demand doing something because it's now it, we have to we can't ignore it. Now that you're 10, 11, 12 games in, and you're taking five and a half threes a game, some of these guys you you got to take them seriously. I think at this point, certainly. I mean, especially the guys. Like uh, Tobias Harris, right? Like, wh- what were we just saying? Uh, he's shooting like 50%. Now, certainly he's not going to do that for the season, 50% from three. But uh, he may be looking at a career high this year. He's definitely shooting the ball better. He's looking more confident. And and that's half the battle. Yeah, and it's, it's a big reason why the Pistons are doing surprisingly so well. I mean, I know we all want to point to Reggie Jackson being healthy again, and that's certainly something, and that gives them another a weapon in the starting lineup. But it's Tobias Harris's numbers that are, you know, good, and it's the shooting that's giving him spacing. So, uh, yeah, it, it is very surprising to me uh, that we're seeing this. And, again, it's like it's not – I mean, every day that goes by becomes less small sample size theater, and we got to we really got to look at this. Whereas, you know, let's just say they start to come back down to earth and they start shooting instead of fifty percent, that's like forty percent. Well, that's still elite, and it's still enough to drive their defender uh, the extra two steps toward them on the weak side. Because it's you know, it's funny. I was talking to some guys, uh, some coaches in the NBA about what it means to be a good shooter on the weak side as far as spacing. Like, is it really even a thing? And you know, it's it's basically. You know, a step and a half, but to NBA players, a step and a half is is pretty significant, which is kind of crazy, I think, to most laymen. You know, I actually t- I teach this a lot when I'm when I'm coaching offense, and you know, it's the difference between setting up on the line and setting up one big step back from the line. That one big step is the difference between an open shot and a contested shot. It's the difference between your defender helping from the weak side and leaving you wide open. Or you're you're you know you're close enough that he, you're not going to be open. He's going to be able to recover, and so uh, you know that that little tiny bit of space is so important, especially in the NBA. 
Oh, yeah. It really is. It's, it's, it's kind of amazing when you think about it. Um, you know, it's funny. I just did a quick search to see who was shooting uh, 45% or more on four attempts a game or more this year. And B-ball, basketball ref gave me a weird, didn't give me anything. Hmm. Hmm. I will try again uh, in a second. But anyway, um, let's talk a little bit about this and other surprising starts because I know we briefly mentioned the Pistons, but certainly we have a couple other teams. Not the surprising, but they're off to really good starts in Houston and Boston. Uh, what do you make of Boston's win today without Kyrie Irving? I thought they looked pretty good, and and you know Toronto's no slouch, so they did a good job beating another top tier Eastern Conference team. I thought they looked pretty good. Um, obviously, having Horford back really helped them a lot. They uh, that guy is sort of the engine of that team. He's very much the Draymond Green of that team. He does so much for them defensively and offensively that. He, if he misses any kind of significant time, that's trouble for them, even more so than Kyrie. Uh, they were able to make up for Kyrie's production with just uh, more Marcus Smart, more Terry Rozier. And, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just so deep. It is insane. I, I, they are just a super deep team. Absolutely. And um, so, you know, you have a thing where uh, Kyrie goes down and, you know, I, people wanted to argue that maybe Baines, like, let's just pretend Baines had another uniform on, it's a different team. And if he had made that kind of contact, it would have been a dirty play. And um, again, it, it didn't feel that way. I feel like it was a random, you know, thing where I think, uh, what, Kyrie broke his nose or things that what the, the ends up, uh, what they said happened to him? Yeah, he's got a broken nose. He's going to come back with a mask. Yeah, that's brutal. I mean, I broke my nose several times playing in high school. Oh, no, no. He's a facial, a facial fracture. Sorry. Oh, that's probably even worse. So yeah. uh, that guy, you know, it's funny. The, the, some of the injuries he's had, they're just a random craziness. Um, you know, and by the way, yeah, you are you are uh, frozen apparently on our uh, live feed here. But maybe it's because you're thinking so so hard that it's like that's the image we need to ha- see in our brains as we're watching. But the audio seems like it's coming in fine. Yeah, I don't, I don't know why it keeps freezing. Uh, yeah. We're just going to blame it on Skype. Yeah, no, we, we might have to blame it on Wirecast, actually, this one, um, I think. Because Skype, it looks fine, so... Uh, anyway, if I have a chance, maybe I'll try and uh, fix that. But uh, while you're talking, if you give me yeah. a long soliloquy at some point, I will uh, <laughs> I will try and fix it. But, um, you know, Al Horford came back. Did you notice the starting lineup, though? I thought it was interesting. They, they had Baines and, and uh, Horford together, uh, and they put Jalen Brown basically as a shooting guard and uh, Tatum as, a, I guess, a small forward. Big lineup. And Marcus Smart, that's an interesting take by uh, Brad Stevens. Yeah, well, you know, you and I talk about this all the time. If you've got that positional flexibility and you can do stuff like that, then you definitely should throw it out, especially in the in the regular season. See what you have. Uh, you know, the odds are they won't run into uh, the San Antonio Spurs in the playoffs. But if they do, they have a lineup now that they can throw out there against Gasol and Aldridge, you know, and that's important. It's important to know what you've got. So, you know, uh, I think that, Trying trying everything out is worthwhile. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, you know, we've, we're getting a lot of Tatum talk in the chat, and I yeah. think it's, it's worth mentioning how good he's been, how poised he's looked since that first half of his first game. He has not looked like a rookie since the first half of his first game. He's so long. He's so under control. Uh, he's just such a threat offensively. And then his defense has been fantastic. So um, I don't think he's getting enough rookie of the year buzz. You know, it's funny because it just so happened I did a video on Ben Simmons having maybe one of the greatest rookie years of all time. And, you know, I get it because Michael had like 28 a game and then like six rebounds and five assists or something like that. Whereas 
you know, I did the search I did was 17, 7, and 7, and there's only him and Oscar Magic and Ben Simmons are the only ones that do that. Um, so, but, but you know, the, you, if you look at Tatum's numbers, he's averaging 13.7 points a game, 5.7 rebounds, 1.8 assists. He's shooting uh, 50% from three on three attempts per game. Um, you know, he shot well. Do we think that he was going to be an elite shooter from three, even though it's slightly low volume uh, this early? No, I'm actually pretty surprised. Um, you know, most rookies do struggle shooting threes when they come in. I mean, it's a, it's a longer yeah. shot. It's, uh, you know, you're dealing with longer athletes and game speed and, and whatnot. But, uh, hey, he's been looking really good, man. I, I've really been impressed, surprised even. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I thought he would be okay. I just didn't think he would be like this. I mean, right. He'd... I thought he'd be okay, too. That Maybe the Duke thing. I don't know. But um, certainly, I don't want to make anybody cry. So I think we, that luckily we talked about Tatum enough. Or maybe that hopefully that was enough for uh, somebody who didn't want to cry in the uh, chat and on Spareskope. So, um, but, uh, you know, and just to get back to the Magic. Okay, I, I know Magic ended up being the MVP of the finals and winning game six as a starting center. Um, but it doesn't necessarily count for the like I, I was I was considering like regular season right like who had the best regular season and you know of course uh, you know Wes Unseld uh, had was a rookie of the year, or was an MVP as a rookie um, maybe Kareem was too or something like that I'm forgetting who the other player was you know and you know but there's a lot of context for all these players Michael played three years in college. You know, and he was a 21-year-old rookie, but he played three years for Dean Smith. Uh, you know, Oscar played four years in college. Uh, right. David Robinson's another big one, but that dude was like in the Air Force. He was like a 24-year-old Navy. rookie. So uh, a lot of context all around. Oh, and then by the way, Ben Simmons, is, is he a rookie? Because he, you know, was there last year. He just didn't play. Uh, it's a very confusing uh, conversation. I had no idea, but certainly a lot of people enjoy the video. And that was nice. If you haven't, you go over there and check it out. Which, by the way, reminds me really quickly. Um, we also should check out um, my. Uh, I have a new podcast, Dave. Did you know that? I did, but I have not subscribed. Let me subscribe right now. All right, you go on your phone and just, uh, subscribe as I have to quickly uh, describe what it is. But basically, it's a, uh, a politics and culture podcast. And so I'm bringing on uh, some uh, journalists and writers and then writers in Hollywood uh, who I know uh, are going to come on the show and um, you know discuss their craft. And you know we will dabble in maybe a little bit more like uh, some politics stuff, but also some um, a lot of like what they're doing as for like comedy and that kind of stuff. It ended up being really great. I have one with Ben Wexler, who uh, is a writer who wrote on Arrested Development. He wrote on Community. He was one of the creators of The Comedians with uh, Billy Crystal and Josh Gad, which really deserved a lot more eyeballs than it got. And uh, it's a really funny. I was actually listening to it in the car with my wife on the way home today. And we were laughing like it was actually funny and, um, you know, it, which is really kind of meta to do that. But um, definitely check it out. So the podcast is called Can You Hear Me Shaking My Head, which might be a phrase you guys all recognize from over here. But it's definitely not a b-ball breakdown podcast. Um, check it out. Let me know what you guys think. I think it's a really great podcast. It's going to be great tomorrow where I'm releasing one with Jared Yates Sexton, who is a writer for like he wrote for New York Times and he's written for Politico. And uh, he followed Trump on, on the campaign. Really great stuff. So definitely check that out tomorrow when it drops. All right, I'm subscribing. Although people can't people can't see me on in the chat. I am subscribing right now. There we All go. Right. Done. Um, yeah, I'm going to check that out. Well, let's and then while we're here, let's check out. Let's answer a question from somebody. Uh, let's see what we have here. If we go through really quickly on Periscope, if there's a good question, you guys throw them out there because we want to make you guys part of the show. Um, and today we're not doing our other where you can join with a video, but we'll, we'll do that soon. But we're going to do this with just the uh, written either on um, 
Periscope or, or Twitter. Sh- uh, Sham Sham God asks, what concerns you most about the Celtics? Great question. Uh, Dave, what do you think? Um, right now? That they don't need Gordon Hayward? Maybe they wasted their money? I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, <laughs> they, they've looked really, really good. The defense has been good. The offense has been good. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a, let's just go with health. So far, they, you know, obviously the Hayward injury was devastating. Kyrie injury, uh, Horford with the concussion. Remember last year he missed, you know, nine games after a concussion and the post-concussion syndrome issue. Yeah. Uh, Marcus Smart has tweaked his ankle again. Now he didn't do it today, but this was a couple, you know, few games ago, and he's had a history of ankle injuries, and so. You know, just like most teams, I think their success is going to be predicated on whether or not they can stay healthy. Because they obviously have the horses. Can they keep them on the court? And this is where their depth really comes into play. I think that they're just so deep. Um, uh, They just, I don't know, man. They can just roll out all of these random lineups and they just seem to work. And uh, at a certain point, I might start saying that Brad Stevens is a really, really good coach. Sure. I might. say that. Uh, I mean, listen, they keep plug, plugging guys in. Like like Daniel Tice is nice. I love him. You he's know? got he's got some old man ball fake moves that he that he pulls out anytime he gets a chance. And I I'm I'm a sucker for that, man. Yeah. So yeah, great. He's, and Terry Rozier, I, I think Rozier would start for like ten other teams. Oh, uh, well, let's not go crazy, but he's certainly he's giving us a lot of consistent signs that he is getting there. Right. Like there's still a clunker or two every so often. But, man, he is really he's one of those classic like getting more um, confidence, getting more time, uh, increasing his production. Uh, you know, even like Semi Ojale. Were you high on him? I can't remember. Yeah, I loved I love Shemi. Yeah, again, not great, but like glimpses of a guy who seems like he belongs and believes. And then, yeah, you throw in Tyson there, who's like a really solid big man who's got good hands and he can, can finish a little bit on the rim and block a shot or two. Um, they, yeah, they have, a lot of, um, they have a lot of options here. And they, just like we talked about the starting lineup, they could go big if they wanted to for no other reason than they just let's see what happens. Right. And they could force the other team to have to adjust to them versus the other way. Uh, again, do they have that, that cold-blooded uh, killer? Yes, I guess Kyrie Irving is that guy, too. So they even have that guy uh, who's also playing great, terrific defense. Yeah, they've got everything that you, you want from a championship team. Um, uh, it's gonna, this is going to be really interesting in the East this year. It's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, Someone in the chat pointed out that Houston and Golden State would blow them out. I agree. I actually think Houston and Golden State are so far ahead of everyone else because of their offense uh, and their, you know, Golden State's defense, we all know about. Houston's defense is good enough. And so I think that, you know, just because of the value of offense, you and I have talked quite a bit about this. And we were going to try to figure this out. And I think just off the top of our head, we felt like it was like a 70 30 split, maybe leaning towards 75 25 as far as value, yeah. offense to defense. If oh, you've right. got a top flight offense, you can have a lower defense and you can and you can just you can do more i mean you look at a guy like harden his offense is so incredible that who cares that his defense is so bad i mean i care and you care and of course we care in the abstract but he's still a positive player i mean so far this season he has he's leading the league in scoring leading in assists he's also assisted on uh i think he he leads the league in assists for threes or you know, assist at least for threes, as usual, and 
he is uh, obviously most points. Uh, he's responsible for the most points in the league with points, assists, and and hockey assists or whatever. I mean, the guy is just incredible. And so it's like, okay, yes, uh, maybe he's not going to try for five possessions in a row on defense. Right. Have I told you? Did I tell you that I came up with a way to solve the Harden defense thing? Um, no. What was your solution? He should guard fours. Because he's stout. Yep. Permanently have him guard fours. Okay. The other night, again, in the Cleveland game, you know, I watched Ariza getting tossed around by LeBron, and I said, you know, maybe throw Harden on him. Now, not for the whole game, but for possessions here and there. Uh, Harden's big enough that I think, and he's super long, and this is something people don't realize. Uh, I think that he could slow LeBron down just a little bit, at least throw a different look at him. Right. And, 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 right. And by the way, he might get enough of a uh, respect from the referees where they're not going to just call an instant foul on him like they might call on Ariza or somebody exactly. else. Which is a thing in the NBA, without question. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to tire him out or get him into foul trouble for that. But, uh, you know, yeah, you benefit when you can throw different looks at LeBron and try and wear him down that way. Um, and, it, you know, the, the Cavaliers have been a little bit better, I suppose, recently. But, by the way, you mentioned that, like, the Warriors are head and shoulders above everybody else. And I had done a video uh, – crap, I can't remember who it was. But it was like a two-on-one fast break, Clay and Curry back – and, you know, he had to make he, – he made one decision. The other one was wide open, three, splash. And it's like you're just going to soil your undies when you're, if you're that one guy back, right? You know what that feels like? Have you ever soiled your undies before? Uh, no. Because if you had, then you would have to – you could change, and that would give you a chance to actually wear a, a pair of me undies. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I knew, I knew this was a segue. Yeah. I'm telling yeah. you. Oh, and now you just appear. I hear you. This is good. I don't see your video, but I hear you. And uh, yeah, so me undies is a really important thing because, again, when you're on that two on one and you're that one back, you got to have clean underwear. And every year, millions of people receive like the least liked gift of all time as we're moving into the holiday season. It's underwear. But I got to tell you, that's going to change if you start buying underwear from me undies for your loved ones or friends or even distant relatives. Um, you, have you ever have you ever felt a pair of MeUndies in your hand? I have. They're fantastic. That that micromodal fabric that they use is just incredible and sustainable. Three times softer than cotton, my man. I'm telling you. And they have a diamond-shaped pouch that keeps the family jewels in place. Uh, it's like a goddamn holiday miracle. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> so. It's the perfect gift for anyone if you want them to love you or you love them or, or maybe you want them to you want you want to love them or you hope that they will love you at some point. Get them MeUndies. And you know what? If you go to MeUndies.com slash Coach Nick, you can get 20% off uh, the softest underwear and socks you will ever wear with free shipping. 100% satisfaction guarantee. What was that code again? It was MeUndies.com slash Coach Nick. It's not even a code. It's a URL, man. So head over there. Use, the, uh, use that link. You can save 20% off. And uh, I'm telling you, it's the best thing I've come across for all the different things we've, read, we've talked about on the show, different uh, products. Me undies. Uh, get out there and try it. And um, you'll, 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 you won't soil, soil yourself next time you're on a two-on-one fast break against uh, you know, the top two players in your league. Yeah, yeah. That's not happening. Uh, so let's take some more questions from the right. chat. What we've we got, got somebody. Next? We've got people asking us to talk about Lonzo. Ah, uh, I've made this. Lonzo, I made. Huh? I made this mistake on Twitter, man. Uh, 
you know, you, you make one joke on Twitter and then people are talking about stabbing you. <laughs> and it's just, it, it goes south in a hurry. Um, I think right now Lonzo's not good and that's okay. It's fine. He doesn't have to be good right now. He's a rookie. How many rookies are good? Not many. Uh, yeah, that is true. Uh, rookies aren't always good. I, I'll agree with that. Um, you know, I keep seeing enough signs. Again, like even like Rogier, for instance, right, who you know didn't look that great last year but now developed into this year. I'm seeing enough that leads me to believe that he will be good, um, you know, sooner than later. I'm sure, he, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm sure he'll be fine. But right now, like, he's just been bad and there's not really much to talk about. Uh, yeah, I mean, and the Lakers aren't doing that great. They were they had a surprising uh, record to begin with, and then they kind of stumbled a bit, right? I got to check that the the, the uh, record real quick, but right, like they're uh, they lost a few games. So then they're five and eight. I think they were five and five, and now they've lost three in a row. So um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the Lonzo isn't necessarily the issue if you want to look at like why the Lakers are stumbling to some degree. There's definitely a lack of attention to detail. I feel like their offense isn't being run very well and very without with good ex- execution. Uh, but I, I'm telling you right now, I've seen glimpses of like Lonzo being a good defender. Seriously. And I mean, I've seen plenty of evidence of him just getting blown by and not really in a, in a good position. But I've seen it. He's long and he's got lateral quickness. And we've seen, it, you know, little bits and pieces here. Certainly the passing is there. He, you know, he's, he's getting enough assists. It's just uh, God, is he struggling to even just put the ball in the basket from anywhere. Yeah. And part, like you said, it's uh, attention to detail. It's poor coaching. They're not using him properly. I mean, you know, if you go back and you watch the tape from UCLA, they use him as a as a weak side guy. He he wasn't this, you know, bring the ball up, pound it at the top of the at the top of the key, and you know, come off a pick and roll. That's just not how he facilitated the offense. He was a weak side guy, and he would he would catch and shoot from the weak side, or or he would make the secondary pass or something like that. So you know, it, it just it, this comes down to coaching, and I, I've questioned what Walton's been doing. Not only on the court, but also his his coaching staff is not exactly, you know, we we've talked about this. It's it's not a who's who or a murderer's row of coaches that you would want around a young coach and an experienced coach. Who's the X's and O's guy? I, I don't know who on that staff is doing the X's and O's. Right. Uh, seems like he's got a lot of relationship guys. Which, you know, if you remember when he was with Golden State, he was the relationship guy. So. Um, I, I just think they've got some questions they're going to have to answer in the offseason. I think the coaching staff is where I would start. And this is not a fire Luke Walton rant. I, I think Luke is going to probably wind up being a, a decent coach. Um, but you're going to have a ceiling on how good you can be as a coach if you, don't, if you aren't the X and O's guy or you don't have one on your staff. You, you need, that guy needs to be around. You need to have someone that knows – how to put your players in the best position to succeed. Uh, I, I agree. Um, and it, it's weird because I think there's a perception across the, you know, the NBA fandom that, you know, anybody who's an assistant coach or a head coach in the NBA is probably like the best coach in the world. Like that's why they're there. They are the best of the best. They have the most knowledge of everybody. And, you know, unfortunately, it, it's not always the case. And I would think that Luke would have a lot of experience with uh, the Warriors to bring with him. But again, you know, I have to imagine he's like over his head and or underwater with like everything he has to kind of try and do and keep together with, uh, you know, not the biggest incentive to win this year anyway. Right. So that's sort of like the other issue, although it doesn't excuse like, you know, having, you know, let's hold them accountable now. Well, they have no sure incentive to tank, though. What's that? They have no incentive to tank. 
They have no incentive to tank, but they know, like, you know, the Warriors are the Warriors, the Rockets are the Rockets. It's like, they're where, where were they, at? even in the best case scenario, they're, they're maybe like eighth, right? Yeah, they're, they're not going to, they weren't well, going to make the playoffs. But they were never going to make no the playoffs. They have no incentive because, um, why? Their, they have their, their pick. pick. is Their pick is owed. Oh, they owe their pick, that's right. Yeah. To who? Uh, it's uh, Philly or Boston. Uh, okay, that was, okay, right. That so, was the, the Tatum trade. Right. So, I mean, I guess the opposite, they're incentivized to actually win, to make that pick worse, to not help anybody else. But still, um, yeah, I mean, what do you think they're going to finish this year? I mean, I don't know. I think they're going to win like 30 games, something like that. Yeah. If I had to guess. I mean, their their record, what's funny is their record isn't that bad. Like, if, if you were living in a bubble and, and you, didn't, you didn't realize, you know, like if you were just listening to people talk, especially – uh, Lakers fans talk, and and you didn't watch the games, you didn't pay attention to the standings. You would think, wow, maybe the Lakers hadn't hadn't won a game. They're five and eight. Yeah, well, right? you know, so, if they were to win thirty nine percent of their of eighty two games, uh, a little quick math here. That's yeah, it's thirty two wins. So you you know, it's pretty much where they'd be, where you, like you predicted anyway. Uh, and that seems reasonable. I think, and I think everyone thought they were going to win between thirty and thirty five anyway, right? Yeah. So that's right there. So, yeah, that seems reasonable. I mean, I don't see them going on a run where they're going to win six or seven or eight in a row. Uh, they'll probably win their, you know, two, three in a row, then lose a two or three or four, you know what I mean, back and forth. Um, but even still, the future is bright in L.A. with them, those guys. And, uh, you know, they just need a couple more pieces and get rid of a couple. Even though Randall has been better, actually, believe it or not, um, I just don't think he fits in with what they want to do. I think his – you know, with enough of a sample size, you just see that he is more intent on not really passing the ball, just sort of being, you know, getting his own stuff. And he might just be doing it because he knows they want to trade him and he's trying to showcase everything too. But just something about the way he plays doesn't really fit into the ball movement style that they want. Um, let me, I forgot about talking about ball for a second. The only criticism I have for ball is that he gives the ball up too early. Right? It's Interesting. Weird. And I like the fact that you pass the ball up ahead like to, for a scoring opportunity or for like a quick hitter on the sure. wing. But he'll just give it up to a guy who's like 10 feet, 12 feet away from him as another guard and like let him bring it up. And it's, those are the moments when he should have an opportunity to create something quickly. Oh, okay. I see. So he, he goes into the stand and watch mode. Yeah, well, or no, he might have just cut away. But it's like, you know, there are moments in that secondary break where he could be pushing it up and like create something amazing. And instead, he just kind of gives the ball up so early in the backcourt. It's like it's weird. So you almost got to encourage him to be more uh, aggressive, more um, you know, uh, selfish in a way to hold on the ball longer. Uh, to, to, to I think that would help them, and he'll learn that eventually. I hope if if uh, you know Luke and his staff can see that. Yeah, I mean, but they have to see it. That's the problem. That is true. Not everybody can see. Not everyone has classes like this with uh, you know, missing one. That's right. Not, what, what's this, what are the things called in your glasses? The uh, the things that go over your ear? The arm? I don't know. I don't that's know what question. that's called. I don't Anyone know. Anyone know out there uh, what, it, what it's called? That you, can, you can see this if you're watching this. this you can see it. And people have asked me about this. Like, breakdown. They only have one. Yeah, it's Ophthalmology Breakdown. Yes, absolutely. Here on the pod. So, it's a new segment we're working out. Yeah. Uh, do we have any other uh, any questions that we see right now? From um, We have actually a bunch of questions. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see one you want to grab? Uh, how long until Kevin Love ends up in Utah? That's from Sham. Uh, I don't see that as a, I don't think that's a thing that's going to happen. Uh, but what we can talk about is, uh, Rudy Gobert and the yeah. injury. He's going to be out four to six weeks. Um, Utah was, was always going to have to scratch and claw to make the playoffs. 
Um, this this is probably I would imagine going to be the nail in the coffin for for their playoff hopes. Uh, yeah. If you were if you were Utah, would you consider some sort of tank? They have their pick, right? Obviously. Yes. Um, would I consider a tank? Uh, you, you know, probably. You know, they they lost Gordon Hayward from in free agency, and so they were kind of rudderless a little bit anyway. And um, and George Hill didn't come back. So Ricky Rubio is is like their main offensive weapon these days. So yeah, it's kind of it's kind of concerning uh, where they are. So yeah, they would probably benefit for sure from tanking and trying to get a, a really high draft pick and a good draft that should yield them something good. Um, and I had tweeted it out when I saw that injury. Now, a couple different things. First of all, I don't think that Waiters did it on purpose. I think he was diving for a ball. Maybe he's a little bit reckless. Maybe it's a, it's a foul. But that was about it. But uh, I remember he walked off, and everyone, the Jazz fans, wanted to be really positive and think, oh, he's just sort of, you know, it was okay. And I said, if, if the fact that, he, that people think that he's not out for an extended period of time is miraculous if that was the case. And sure enough, what it comes down to, was it four to six weeks? Uh, yeah, four to six weeks is what they're saying. You know, with the knee bruise like that, again, anytime a guy over six six has something like that happen, I'm always I, I err on the side of caution. I, I would say keep him out for at yeah. least eight weeks. Go yeah, longer. It was gruesome. Yeah, and he's lucky that nothing was torn. But this was very much like the KD injury last year when Zaza rolled up his leg. Right. So I, I, I mean, first of all. Really glad that nothing was actually injured. Be you know, that's that's fantastic. But yeah. if you're Utah, you have to start thinking about the big picture and you know the you know the lottery and whatnot. And I think that there is some value to considering a tank. Um, they won't do it. I don't think they'll do it. Uh, but maybe. Yeah. Here, here's a question we have from Danny B96 who asks. Oh, B96. That was the name of the uh, the radio station when I was growing up. It's probably still there in Chicago. Uh, they played all they played all the hits. Um, anyway, what is going on with the Kings? I thought they would be better, not great, but better. And me too. Um, and I watched a few minutes of the Kings the other uh, a couple in the last couple of days, and they got hammered the uh, the last game. I think. Um, I don't know. They don't look organized to me. Have you had a chance to watch a lot of Kings? Um, I've watched a little bit, not enough that I can tell you exactly what's going on, but uh, I have got some from the little bit I've watched. Here's my assumption. Uh, I would assume it's, you've got a lot of young guys and they're playing a fair amount, but then they're also playing some old guys right. <laughs> and there's, there, there's your problem. Um, yeah. Uh, Darren Fox has looked amazing. Even though he hasn't necessarily performed well statistically, he's looked like he belongs. Yeah. Dude gets up and down the court really fast. They're, like, they've got some guys that are fun to watch. It's just, you know, they're young. They're going to take their lumps. Yeah. Offensively, they're just terrible, by the way. I mean, they're, they're, they're ranked, and offensive rating is uh, 29th. And when you look at the, just the numbers, it's like their leading score right now is Zach Randolph at 12.8. Uh, I mean, if that continues, it's going to have to be the lowest scoring leader of a team, right, in the NBA uh, maybe all time. I can't think of another team. I mean, um, right? I can't imagine. Even the bad teams in the last 30 years have had a score that's get at least 16, 17 a game as a leading score. Yeah. It, 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 would, be, it would be pitiful if that, if that yeah. is what happens. And, you know, George Hill is basically not even there. Right. Um, that's, that's been an interesting development. And uh, for a guy who you and I talked about potentially getting a max at the beginning of last season – 
um, that's that's problematic. Uh, so far, averaging 7.4 points a game. I'll also tell you another reason why, and this is just glancing at it, but the, uh, the top 10 players on the team are all playing at least 18 minutes. No one's playing more than 26.8 like Darren Fox. And so I think what you're getting here is like, you know, he's, they're, not getting, they're not playing the best lineups long enough uh, to really have an impact. So no, you know, no one's getting a lot of minutes, which is why the, the points per game is down for individually. Um, and so I, I would expect this is not a team that's deep like that that can go 10 deep with that many minutes across spread across, you know what I mean? The Warriors could do that and win a lot of their games, but not the Kings. Right. I mean, uh, George Hill is playing 25 minutes a game. He's taking seven shots. You know, the other thing about not playing guys more minutes, especially some of these uh, veterans and guys, takes them a while to kind of get into a groove. You yeah. know, there, there's a reason that, that that 32 to 36 minutes is kind of the sweet spot. And I, I wonder if there's some of that as well. And maybe just uh, – you know, a little bit of random lineups. Uh, uh, again, I haven't watched enough of the Kings to really to really know. I'm just just taking stabs at it. I've only watched uh, I don't know, like a game and a half of the Kings. Uh, okay, fair enough. You know, yeah. it's funny because uh, this also came up. So Dallas is really terrible, and I, I, I they're tanking, right? Um, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. I mean, or, and they're also just bad. So. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. bad. Uh, who? Yeah, LeBron blew by uh, Dirk uh, the other day, and it was like Dirk moves like I move now. I want Dirk to retire right yeah. now. It's just sad to watch. Uh, I, I think don't maybe re- they trade him. No, they would never do that. Never. All right. I don't begrudge a guy for for staying in the league as long as he's able to be employed. I, you know, but God, man, like just. It's so hard to watch. I mean, the guy's a Hall of Famer. I mean, he's a great player. It's just so hard to watch. He can barely move. Like, the the argument for starting him is that he can't go from warm-ups to sitting on the bench because he gets he gets too stiff. That's a terrible reason to start a guy. Like, if that's the if that's the problem, he should just hang him up right now. Right. I, I, uh, I, well, I agree, I mean, and that's also tough because now wh- wh- what do you do about that? Uh, you know, uh, can, can he do that or not? Um, yeah, he can retire today. He can yeah. say, I retire. That would be sad, too. And yeah. I just, um, uh, yeah, I, now I just screwed up my, uh, sorry, I was trying to get your uh, image back, and I now have both two images of me on there. Uh, <laughs> anyhow, um, it won't float. So anyway, Skype sucks. If anyone wants to know, this the new Skype really is horrible. I, it's actually what's funny is even though we're we're recording and it's obviously still working, it's frozen on my end, so I can't adjust any settings or anything like that. So yeah, new Skype not good. Right. Old Skype wasn't very good. Yeah. Somebody needs to make a competing product. That, that's what we need. We need a disruptor in the online video chat segment. Well, we have it. It's called Shindig, and we do, and we're gonna we're gonna go use that from now on because this is this is uh, you know atrocious. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, St- St- uh, Stove Jensen even says even Kobe's last year wasn't as bad as uh, as Dirk, and that that's that's probably true. Uh, and you know, because he's not moving. Like, can't they just get Dirk into like a Pilates class or something like that? Like, that's he just needs to. Uh, his back is locked up. He just looks so stiff. He cannot move, and you know, he, he's not. He's is he forty? Yeah, he's 40, and he's also seven feet tall. Right. You know? How many yeah. old seven-footers do you know that, that move well? Right. 
And, and another uh, good point by uh, R. Lewis was like, if they are tanking, then it makes sense to start them and play them a lot of minutes because that's what's going to you know, oh, keep them there. That's, that's actually that's a fantastic point that yeah. I hadn't considered. Right, you know, but it is sad because it's like you never want to see a guy get that get to where he is now. But it's not like it's surprising. We he it's been leading up to this every year. It's been let, getting closer. Let me ask you a question, Nick. Yeah. Would you be able to beat Dirk one on one right now? No, not even close. I mean, first of all, he's a foot taller than I am, so that's one thing. Uh, and I, you know, listen, I can't I can't run barely. Although I could probably get into a stance and move laterally, okay, but. Uh, Hey, I'm in Pilates three times a week just so I can like walk without it hurting. So yeah, I mean, not you're not defending his shot. You, if it's make it, take it, you just you would not be able to miss. Uh, I, I might get a little separation. Yeah, and I could shoot, yeah. but you know who knows. But you're right. A, a normal person who's like my age, and we're almost the same age anyway. Uh, actually, it's not true. I'm, I guess I'm five years older than him. But uh, a 45 year old that plays regularly. Like in a decently competitive game, could 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 you know give Dirk a run for his money in a one-on-one game? And this is my point. Yeah. Right. Like again, Dirk is not an NBA player anymore. Yeah. He's just not. And, and I mean, no one wants to say that because we all love Dirk, but it's just the truth. So, moving on. Moving on. Well, any other questions we can grab real quick? Uh, I don't see any. Because you know the other thing we can well that's that's all it's almost late in the show we can we can do another we can talk about Harry's uh, the next show uh, although don't forget to go to harrys.com slash coach Nick because it's a, a great shave I got some new razors in the mail today or yesterday and I'm really excited to use them but we'll go through that uh, in our next show um, but I don't know I mean what else do we want to talk about we kind of covered everything we, uh, earlier that we wanted to talk about as far as uh, before the show started so um, let's see here. Will Lonzo get more confident? Jay Cagle asks. Yes. I hope. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, mean is, you know, is, is like he, that's such a that's an odd question, but I, I assume so. I mean, is he is he? I think the question then becomes: Is he mentally tough, or has he been coddled his whole life and not to? You know, he hasn't know what adversity is or not. You that's, know. You know. I th- I thought about this the other day. Think about this timeline for him. Okay, so he starts at UCLA. Becomes a big deal at UCLA while yeah. he's there. Potential number one pick or whatever all year. UCLA makes it to the Final Four. His mom has a stroke, a, a serious stroke. Like, she's still recovering. Really? Yeah, the night before the, the game. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, his mom had a stroke. And, and LeVar, you know, is taking care of his wife. There's all this stuff happening. And then, so you've got the championship game, and he didn't perform very well. Uh, he goes into the draft, gets drafted number two by his hometown team. Spends all, all summer, all you hear is Lonzo, Lonzo, Lonzo. It's the Lonzo show. You know, LeVar is still doing his LeVar thing, but it's turned up to 11 because now he's on all these shows. Dragging Lonzo with him because Lonzo no, no longer has to worry about the NCAA. Lonzo goes to summer league. Lonzo has a really great summer league. He's really good. And then, but he's changing shoes every single game. Right. Never, he doesn't wear the, the uh, big baller brand shoes, by the way. There's another theory I've got. And so you've got all of this pressure. And again, starting with the fact that his mom had a stroke. Like that, like that to me, that was a tur- kind of a turning point for him, I, I feel. Um, and he's so stoic about everything. You and I have even talked about that quite a bit. Uh, 
when you add, when you talk to him post game, he says all the right things. He, you know, he's obviously he thinks about his teammates and all this stuff. He's very he's very in tune with what he wants to say, the message, right? right? And but you can watch him on the court right now when he's struggling, and it's different body language, completely different body language. Yeah, and I no, wonder if definitely... he's just I wonder if he's just mentally exhausted, man. It's been a long eight months for him. Sure. It's uh, yeah, definitely some bad body language theater, just sort of like disconnected to the to the game. And so he's got to, you know, somehow reconnect with that uh, again. And uh, and then once he once they do that, they'll get on a roll. He'll you know, it'll be exciting because we've seen it. We've seen enough where the crowd is into it and like everyone is going crazy and guys are cutting and he's throwing passes and he's influencing people when he's on the bench. Uh, all sorts of great stuff. So, uh, yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. It's just time and experience and he'll get there. Uh, you know, there's just too much evidence uh, to, in my mind of uh, ability, of real ability, real star potential there. So um, I think it's uh, it, it's right there. Uh, some people want to ask about uh, really quickly about Frank Nilakina. Um, thoughts? Um, I like what I've seen so far. I, I think it's smart that Hornacek's got him out there and into game scenarios. You know, trying to build for the future. His defense has been fantastic. I like the way he uses, and I talked about this in the lead up to the draft. You and I talked about it. Uh, like how he uses his body when he's, you know, handling the basketball. He uses his length. He uses his butt. Now, is he is he great at it? No, but he'll get there. I think he's going to be a good player. I think the 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 idea that he's going to be a bust is, you know, again with all these guys, it's too early. I fair enough, but I do see a really annoying, frustrating trend where he'll like have the ability to turn the corner like on a pick and roll and then just not drive. It's a real like sickness. I don't know what he his loves to pull up jumper. And you so know? like, and if you look at his tape from, from Europe that he did that a lot, he loved the pull up jumper coming out of the pick and roll. Oh, I don't even see a pull up. I would take a pull up jumper. I just see him dri- oh, just dribbling in place. You know, it doesn't even because, you know, it's not even like having to pull up. It's like getting a, a dribble and a half toward the basket and then you can kick out and then create for your, your teammates uh, close out situations. He's not doing that a lot. It drives me nuts. I'm like, what is going on here? And uh, yeah, but like you said, then people will get on Twitter and say, yeah, that's always how he's been. He's never really been aggressive on the, with the handle to the basket. Uh, he's got to figure something out because, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Three, apparently he was a shooter, but like he really hasn't done very well from behind the three point on, on very small volume. But, you know, he's going to have space to be able to create something. He's going to have that, you know, as a guard, you got to be able to go to the basket on the dribble. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. Um, we got here. How about one last question? Last question. Um, from uh, T. Boucher, uh, 320, or Boucher, maybe. Uh, thoughts on Embiid's la- lack of conditioning and explosiveness and his knee. He thinks his knee doesn't look to be 100%. Um, you want to you wanna start? Huh. Well, you know, it was funny because I wanted to go back on the, to the uh, – I was watching the Sixers-Warriors, and I got to tell you, the Sixers were, were right there with them for most of the game, even though – I need to check the box score, but even though I don't think um, – I don't think Embiid did anything at, at all, uh, right? At least in the first half, I don't think he did very much at all. And I was going to say that's a really great sign for the Sixers that they could be neck and neck with the Warriors with them, without Embiid going off. Um, that said, is it related because his knee isn't working or is he just having to go against Draymond uh, and then Zaza leaning on him? So I don't know. I didn't see anything out of the ordinary. Have you? No, I, I think the conditioning is a real concern. Um, but I'm not shocked. Remember, he, he spent all summer not really being able to do anything. Right. And he didn't really get a training camp at all. 
And I mean, he played in that one preseason game, and that was basically it. And so he's—I think he's still working his way into shape. You know, let's see what he's doing around Christmas. Okay. Yeah, we—we we certainly let's see what the team is doing around it's Christmas. It's something to They're watch. Still around. 500 because you know yeah. his numbers right now you know he's 20 points a game 10 rebounds 3.3 assists uh you know 1.2 steals one a block and a half um his three-point shooting is down i mean you know he should be over 30 percent it's down to 23 percent so yeah there, there's a little struggle there and he's only 48 uh like 49 percent from the field overall which should be much higher for him anyway yeah and again so, i'd say let's let's See, this is something to watch, though. This is definitely something to monitor. And yeah. uh, let's see how he looks around Christmas. But, yeah, but, again, and I mentioned this on Twitter the other day, like, you know, uh, Hinky did a fantastic job. And, he, you know, again, everyone you know, wants to give him credit for what he did. Uh, but, but getting guys like McConnell and Covington and Anderson, these are good pieces to have around these stars. Um, you know, and, and even like, well, Reddick isn't part of his deal, but uh, you know what I mean? Th- th- those are good pieces when you have like two or three really good players. Those are the guys you want around them. And I think that's, a, that's a really going to help them, you know, in the next couple of years. Yeah, absolutely. So, well, what really helped me was having you on the show with me tonight. So I can't thank you enough for joining me on this Sunday night uh, post-camping uh, weekend. Yeah, it was, a good, it was a good trip. Got to take my new puppy camping for the first time. He was amazing. Oh, how how cute! So, well, listen. Uh, what kind of puppy is it? He's a mutt. Okay, just like <laughs> we, all of us. Yeah, he's a mutt. Exactly. Uh, he's just. He, I mean, he's a cute mutt, but he's a mutt. All right. Well, go play with your mutt. I will go and get this thing posted for early tomorrow morning, fresh and ready. We're going to check out my new podcast. Can you hear me shaking my head? It's on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. And. Um, Awesome show. Thanks, Dave, for coming on. And don't forget, sports fans, at B-Ball Breakdown, not a channel, we're a conversation. You in? Are you in, Dave? Yes, I am. <laughs>